0: Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show I'm Andrew Slavin and it's getting awfully cosy at the top of the Premiership Celtic, Hearts, Rangers, Kilmarnock and St Johnston all separated by just three points Could this be one of the all-time great campaigns? And them Firmland against Falkirk produced one of the all-time great misses. Later on, we'll be joined by one of the all-time great voices of Scottish football, live from America, Derek Ray is on the podcast. And while it's a hard time for Hearts and Hibs right now, there's another success story in the capital, and that's Edinburgh City. We'll be joined by James McDonough, manager of the League Two leaders. Alongside me in the studio from The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull. Hello. JJ. Yes. You had a bit of a nightmare on the weekend. I heard uh, Anthony Joseph was telling me you got pumped.
1: Let's <laughs> <I laughs> put this in at, context. At football, yes, and at football, the, uh, yeah. Our friend Anthony Joseph was playing in, uh, for a team opposite me, and I made my. Uh, heroic return to playing 11-a-side football in the Association of Profe- Provincial Football Supporters Clubs in London's League ah. which is a league where you've got um, It's not hard to say at all No, no, <laughs> I can say it You've got uh, Rangers Man City Bristol City Everton and Aberdeen playing I was playing for the Aberdeen team We lost 9-0 <laughs> Wow It was uh, it was tough You got your possession stats uh, yeah. No, Opta the weren't there to cover it this time <laughs> uh, There was one puddle in one of the penalty areas That was one stat that I noted down <laughs> <laughs> and there were unlimited or uncountable numbers of bumps in the pitch. Also
0: in the studio with us from Copper 90 it's Laura Brannan.
1: Hello, hey. Laura. All right.
0: You good?
2: I am good. It's International Week. It all is well with the world.
0: Yeah, it's your favourite favourite <laughs> oh, time of the year, isn't it? happy now, yeah yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, the Premiership just gets in the way of all your, your enjoyment.
2: Ready for the two biggest games of the season so far.
0: Listen, so we've got Albania coming up against Scotland and then Israel. I'm waiting to hear this. We were told you've got a fantastic little thing for all of us Scottish fans to enjoy.
2: Yeah, well, in true geek style, I um, worked out the permutations last night. You know, what I like to do on a weekend off, Sunday night to (laughs) myself, working out how Scotland can possibly get to a playoff. Um, It's quite simple in general terms. It doesn't actually matter what happens in Albania. Points-wise, we just have to beat Israel. So that's, that's the basic set. So if we lose to Albania, we have to beat Israel. If we draw with Albania, and so on. But there's one complicated scenario, mm-hmm. and as a complete permutations geek, this is what makes me so happy. <laughs> if we lose 1-0 to Albania, and we beat Israel 2-1 at Hamden, it will come down to the 10th or the 11th decider to determine who goes through to the playoffs.
1: The tenth or eleventh decider, what does that mean?
2: So when you've got the tiebreaker um scenarios, there's eleven in total. So start us off with your points, then it's head to head results, then uh. it's goal score, goals for stuff like that. We would be equal with Israel on the first eight permutations there in terms of differentiating between the two teams, goal scored away from home. All the can of you break it all up. Scotland and Israel would be identical up until the tenth, which is your disciplinary record. So it could come down to how many bookings Scotland have had in their matches so far. As it stands, Israel are beating us and it's five to six. As in they, they have less or, f- or they, more. You get points for a booking, you get points for a red card, and you get more points for a yellow and then a red card. Bad so, points. Yeah, so you don't want yeah, the points. points. So you don't want yeah. the points, yeah. The more points is the worse. So Scotland are actually... Because I'm pretty sure Scotland could do pretty well that
1: game if they tried. <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah, unfortunately Scotland have six, but Israel have five. So as it stands, it could come down to that we're wanting Israel to get booked at Hampden to send us through. And then, if at all ends up even in that sense it'll come down to the 11th decider which is UEFA coefficient and this is what was used to determine the seedings in the Nations League in the first place and the good news there is Scotland are above Israel.
0: So what? What? <laughs> what do we need to do? Just rewind it need listen again. Israel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think I will rewind it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great!
2: <laughs> yeah, I I love giving people headaches over Scotland permutations. It's the only joy I get around International Week.
0: <laughs> but ultimately, if we we beat Albania and beat Israel, we're through anyway. We don't have to.
2: We don't even need to beat Albania. Basically, let's just beat Israel. Yeah, well, by a lot of goals. You hear that, lads? Come on, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey!
0: Hearts have been top of the Premiership since day one but after suffering their first home defeat of the season, they slipped to second in the table. Ross Millen with his first goal for Kamanic enough to take all three points. People are talking about Celtic going top but it's more relevant that Kelly are now two points behind hearts. can Kelly finish second this season? yeah <laughs> yeah
2: why why not first?
0: Well, I think th- I think I think for Kumaran to finish first, they they'd probably have to keep going the way they are until the end of the season, and <laughs> and Celtic would have to stop
1: trading as a football club and business.
2: See, this is what we always hear: is oh, well, they've not got the money; they can't do it over the course of a season. We were talking a couple of weeks ago, albeit maybe half-jokingly. I'm half not having jokingly. this argument again
1: if you go into yeah. this. <laughs> we were
2: all like, oh, hearts, can they, can they do it this season? Yeah, we were all kind of talking about it, as I say, maybe half-heartedly, half-jokingly. But it's midway through November and they're two points off the top. They've beaten Celtic, they've drawn with Rangers, they can do it against the big teams. I don't see why we can't talk up our own game and say, look, the, the top of the table is so tight right now. Let's just say they're all going for it and make it more enjoyable well
1: it's certainly t-
0: it's really tight at the top between the top five JJ yeah. what do you think?
1: Killy have a, a disgraceful amount of points considering the squad they have like again really? <laughs> do you know the thing with Steve Clark? because he's really good and uh, <laughs> I say this every week every week yeah. I know but uh, to get a 1-0 win away at Hearts sure enough they're weakened now and they've already beaten Celtic They've mm-hmm. the with Vinders now they could go all the way to the end of the season but they won't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, you laugh about it, but you guys are just... Basic. I would love if they you're, did, though. You're you're just... You're killing Scottish football here. They're equal in points. I'm killing the Scottish football. Right? The money that Celtic. Celtic has is killing Scottish football. Celtic are only top of the table on goal difference. And you are sitting here telling me they've already won the Celtic league.
0: Celtic also have a game in hand. Yeah.
2: Well, if they've Celtic not won that, that game in hand No, yet. they haven't.
1: Uh-huh. And, also, and also now that Ayer's out for a while with injury That means that you might have Jack Henry back in the team Which means that they're vulnerable defensively again
0: Yeah that's true Yeah, Ayer was injured in his game and, um,
2: and Stephen Naismith and Christoph Berra are due back now mid-December So I, th- I think
0: I think for Hearts to have Stephen Naismith back Is more important than Christoph Berra Because so I think Hearts past couple of games They've been playing Dickamona And they've been playing uh, Jimmy Dunn Jimmy Dunn it? yeah from Burnley Who, who have done fine They've done absolutely fine The problem for Hearts since Naismith's gone and they're without Ick Piazu. Um they're, they're having to rely on Stephen McLean really to be their only recognised centre forward.
1: I think Whiting's been all right, but he's not really. I don't think he really just had to score.
0: I don't think. I don't think Levine expected to use him this soon as well. So no. there's a lot of pressure on him. They need this international break because the past couple of games they've just been hanging on. They need this international break just to regroup.
2: So yeah. Let's, let's look at the fixtures Hearts have got coming up. They've got St. Mirren after the international break. That's easy. So that's an easy one for them. Rangers, that'll be harder. St. Johnson, that'll be quite hard, going by how St. Johnson do just now. And then Motherwell, which, going by (laughs) recent form, that'll be an easy one for them. So it could look as though it's a levy clash that these two players could come back in. If they can get through those games and still be fighting at the top, then... The, the second half of the season it's, it's theirs to take by the scruff of the neck
1: he goes back to when he doesn't have those players it's the same sort of shape he plays it's still that kind of 4-4-2 but they were playing when he had Naismith and the, their lads back from injury it was just more about it when they were going forward they just had when they played against Celtic they were really defensive and he said he think he got it wrong but they play really nice people going forward and that's the thing that Hearts are really good at Is going forward And they're not scoring the goals And they can't keep up that And then you have to change the way that they play And it's not the same Hearts That was earlier on in the season Just coasting away
0: I know you were saying We always praise Steve Clarke um, But he's done such an incredible job For a, a club like Kilmarnock um, You had Neil Cameron Who wrote for the Herald this weekend Saying that Clark's one of the best things To happen to Kilmarnock In their 150 year existence <laughs> High praise indeed Well it's massive
1: well, thing is, right, so I know Steve Clark's the best manager of all time, but <laughs> the things he's doing are actually they're really simple, but he seems yeah. to be a good man-manager. So you've got a nice guy there, who's intelligent, who knows how to uh, put a squad together. He, the group of guys he had and has brought in, he's made them good as a team, it seems to be. He's combined making them really solid and compact and hard to break down with a counter-attack and well, so he's got a good structure, a rigid structure, but with uh, creative flair players that can do damage at the top. He's got Chris Boyd as an option just to hit as a target. Chris Burke's playing really well. Yes, it's much better. what I think he's doing there than say, I don't know, like what you've got happening in um, Saint Marin and Dundee now, where it's very, very basic four four two ping down the channels. That's it. You can see that like. Kilmarnock push teams wide in certain games or they'll try and take them inside in certain ones and they'll push them in different parts of the team. They're very organised and you can see that there's clear management and an idea, there's an identity to it.
0: Laura, do you reckon Steve Clark, if Scotland have a pretty bad campaign, is he a shoe in for the job?
2: Can't really like pass him just now, can you? Kind of depresses me just now how Alex McLeish is just so much of a villain in terms of the fans are not on his side. You kind of think the players are not even on his side as well, considering how many call-offs we have. If we don't manage to get this playoff place next week, I just can't see how he could possibly stay on and it would be the most nightmare spell in charge of the national team probably in a long, long time for Scotland. And when you do look around at the managers that are doing well, you you can't really look past Steve Clark. I guess you've got Craig Levine there, but I don't know if we'd really want him back in the national setup again after the the scars that he gave us the first time around. So yeah, as I say, it's it's got to be Steve Clark before we even consider anyone else.
1: The other thing we should talk about is uh, I mentioned this game is uh, Ross Millen scored his first goal for Killie. His first yeah, goal, wasn't it, And his yeah, it first game, his first start. I think it was his third game But his first start Oh there we yeah, go yeah, That's the one I meant Yeah Now I was like Oh that's good What a story that is He's 24 Yeah I
2: was a <laughs> I thought wow We've Come got on, a right back <laughs> Coming through here This could be one for the future I think And it's, then what
1: <laughs> I, I think it's more Because
0: he's made the step up From the second division So he's came in from Queen's Park hmm. You know he's, he's obviously worked bloody hard And now he's got his start And he's got a goal So
1: It's a great
3: story <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew
4: Slavin
0: We're joined now by a man who was the voice of Scottish football formerly of ESPN and BT Sport one of the best commentators in the business and let's face it I think we miss him a little bit in Scotland Joining us from Boston, Massachusetts it's
4: Derek Ray How are you Derek? I'm very well, Andrew. Nice to hear your voice. Those words are far too kind. I've been <laughs> away from the scene for more than a year now and, and hopefully most people have forgotten all about me.
0: <laughs> I haven't. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about Hearts. Um, they've played a huge part in making this Premiership season so exciting.
4: Well, I'm quite envious of everyone gathered there on the studio and in the various cities and communities across Scotland because when I covered the top flight of Scottish football for all those years with ESPN UK and then BT sport, we didn't have a title race quite like this. And it clearly is a title race at the moment. I think we were always praying for some sort of title challenge and it tended to be Celtic who were dominating and, and in most cases running away with it. Of course we had Aberdeen a couple of years, um, doing it, but, uh, Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's a great tribute to everyone at Heart of Midlothian Football Club from and Budge down. And they have in Craig Levine, somebody who lives and breathes Heart of Midlothian. The timing seems to be right. Now, whether things will continue in this fashion going forward, that's another matter. We have to remember it is only November going into an international break. And things can change in a hurry. And, you know, probably uh, you would expect that things will change, that, that it will not be quite the title race that we have at the moment but I think hearts are the big story and um, did anybody really expect this at the start of the season? I didn't and as I said it, it's a tribute to team building, to squad building and of course it's all happened at a time when there's excitement because of the new stand and uh, a team that's going places. Well
0: we're going to talk about a couple of big games in the weekend with Derek starting with this
2: There's room here for Scott Arfield and he opens the scoring inside eight minutes. Tavernier does the business. Middleton with the corner kick. There's Morelos.
5: And marked in the middle. And Middleton! Make that 4-1. Scott Arfield can make it five, and he does. Grezda watching his way into the penalty box. And scoring goal number six for Rangers. Tavernier's cross. Gresda scores again.
0: Goals are guaranteed when Rangers play Motherwell this season. They shared six goals and a 3-3 draw at Fir Park in August, and they traded eight goals at Ibrooks on Sunday. Unfortunately for the Steelmen, Rangers scored seven. Derek, what have you made of Rangers under Steven Gerrard this season?
4: I've been surprised, to be honest. I've been pleasantly surprised because I did think it would take Steven Gerrard quite a bit of time to get to grips with the situation that he inherited There were a lot of bad decisions made at Rangers prior to that, nothing to do with Steven Gerrard. And I thought the sorting out process would take probably a complete season. But, you know, it hasn't been perfect. He's had ups and he's had downs. That was to be expected. But he has somebody as a right-hand man, Gary McAllister, who I know well, who is my former commentary partner at BT Sport. And uh, I think that was a very shrewd decision to bring Gary and somebody who knows the Scottish seed, even though he hasn't lived in Scotland for quite some time. He always kept a weather eye on what was going on. And um, I think that has paid dividends. So, you know, yeah, I mean, if you look at what Rangers have done, the sum total of it, I mean, obviously, they still have some issues off the pitch, which, um, you know, that they can't get away from completely but they've made some better player decisions and squad decisions altogether. And what they're doing in Europe, I think, is something that should raise eyebrows because Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you, I thought that when Steven Gerrard walked in there, it would be similar to just about every other Scottish club bar, Celtic in recent years. It would be maybe the third qualifying round and then out. But he's got them into the group stage and he's got them competing in that group stage. And I, for one, did not expect that at all. And I know that, Rangers fans are probably a bit disappointed with the outcome last week in Moscow, that topsy-turvy game. I mean, Rangers at the moment are certainly a guarantee of goals in their matches, whether for or against, certainly four at the weekend. Um, but to have to have given Rangers something to chew on in that Europa League group, I think that is a cause for a lot of optimism and well done, Stephen Gerrard, on that front.
0: Talking about the game at the weekend, uh, the huge turning point was definitely the penalty. A second yellow card for Carl McHugh with the score at 1-1 in the first half. You had Motherwell manager Stephen Robinson sent to the stands as well. Guys, give us your thoughts on um, that yellow card. The
1: first, the first one, or the second? The first, <laughs> one's, the first one's weird because I don't think he'd get a yellow if Morelos doesn't throw himself to the ground and roll about.
2: Hmm. Doesn't yeah, look. He th- a meal of it. Which yeah, this is what we're saying about players over-egging something, and I think Morelos has done exactly that. He goes down. He almost jumps up to go down. And if he hadn't reacted like that, I don't think Craig Thompson would have be been in that position to then choose whether it was a card or not. It was a foul. It's definitely a foul, yeah. But it was not a booking. So you can see why Motherwell are angry about that, because then it has the most ridiculous knock-on effect you've seen all season in terms of a team suffering from going down to 10 men. But at the same time, the second one, it's a handball for me. It's a penalty. I don't think there's many arguments there.
1: I think it's a penalty. What do you think, Andrew? I go by the law that the, 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 his, his hand <laughs> is... by the rule. <laughs>
0: yeah, his hand is in an unnatural position. But so is it he's just, high. He's I know, he's, in, I know He's I right. know I know he's going to ground and the movement of it, his hands have went in the air, but that stops the flight of the ball for me. And so therefore it is, it is a foul and therefore a penalty.
2: He's close to the action. So there's an argument there of it's too close to yeah. punish him, but at the same time, he's made himself big. And if you do that inside the box, you run the risk of... Touching it and giving away a penalty. That one to me is fair. The first one was harsh,
1: hmm. but it changed the game. Obviously, that red card down to ten men, and they just folded.
0: They did fold. Yeah. Robinson said that some of his players used. He felt that the, the ref. It, yeah, yeah, he felt that the, they used the referee as an excuse. He basically said the ten men that were on the pitch weren't good enough.
1: Because Robinson's not without fault here as well. You've seen a lot of Motherwell, right? I'm, talking, I'm pointing at Laura in case you can't see in the focus. <laughs> uh, but uh, he set them up as like a 4-4-2, four, four like a diamond. Like very narrow to the middle. But Rangers' strength is out wide with the fullbacks. As soon as they're down to 10 as well, I mean, that's... What's happened to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, going down to 10 obviously absolutely killed it for them. But defensively, I think they're missing Charles Dunn this season. But then there's also an issue going forward as well. They're not creating enough. Up until yesterday now I know in terms of the goal Ryan Bowman's move To set up Curtis Main Great That was excellent That was It was a long time coming as well To see him doing something To see Main finally get on the score sheet But an exception to that The two of them have just not done enough this season And I think there was maybe Too much pressure on Turnbull's shoulders He's obviously had a last, last couple of games He's done well coming in and scoring the next big thing coming through but to put him into that game maybe there was too much because he was just off the strikers even Bigger man as well he's been quiet recently he's he's not someone
1: that wins the ball back he plays with it yeah he's
2: he's one of these small fast technical players that can dance around and really give you something special but we've not been seeing that enough recently so I just feel like a mixture of a poor defence and a lack of creativity and just nothing happening up front It's just all coming together to be the perfect storm right now for Motherwell. And it's a shame because the two games before yesterday's was great for them. They got the two big wins that they needed. That was huge six points for them. If the game had finished 3-1 on Sunday, I think they would have been happy with that. It was fine It was a defeat to Rangers Ibrox will take that But it was the fact It was such a heavy defeat It's Mm. almost undone That confidence That they built up And it's a shame They're going into the next games Because You cannot wait On Tenderhooks To see just how That's going to affect them
0: Derek I'm sure you love a stat Being a commentator It's now 42 league games Since Motherwell beat Rangers That's really bad
4: (laughs) Staggering. Um, I mean, going to Ibrox has has not been something that Motherwell fans have looked forward to, notwithstanding, of course, the um, the playoff uh, a few years ago now. Uh, and I had the privilege of covering that, two of the most exciting games I've ever covered, those, those uh, premiership playoff matches between Rangers and Motherwell, mm-hmm. both the Ibrox game and the First Park game. But um, this happens in football, and, and teams you know don't seem to be able to come up with answers. I think it's an important time for Motherwell, an important season, um, because I've had the sense again being away for you know, almost a year and a half now I've had the sense that things have been on the up and up and that of course goes with the territory when you're getting to, to Hampden finals mm-hmm. and, and a general feeling of well-being within the club but uh, this really has to dent confidence and I know that when you lose a player such as McHugh um, to a red card it is going to, to give you a bit of a jolt and Rangers are capable of burying you beneath an avalanche of goals, as they did.
1: What do you make of I know you said you were surprised at how well Gerrard's done with Rangers. I think I kind of agree with you. That win puts them two points off the top. They're two points behind Celtic. I can't really work them out. Do you think they can really push for the title this season? Are they in that mix, or they might fall a bit short?
4: I don't think they're quite consistent enough. I mean, that's my impression, that, that they can rise to the occasion. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're a lot better than I expected they would be. I mean, I had visions before this season of it being a bit like last season you know that Celtic would probably um, have, have a fairly big lead going into the, the crucial phase of the season and that um, there might be three or four teams much of a muchness maybe Rangers slightly better than than the others um, but you know I I think credit where credit's due I, I think they are better but I, I do doubt their defensive doggedness and, and ability to, um, to do it week in week out and uh, I think they probably will end up second in this league uh, when all is said and done but I'm not sure it's going to be by an awful lot and I'm not sure that when the dust settles next season when you know th- there's a good chance that both Celtic and Rangers will be out of Europe by let's say you know early March I mean that that's reality probably not what Celtic Rangers fans want to hear but that is the reality for Scottish clubs um and I would think that things will settle into a rhythm and and Celtic do have the better squad they're not as as good as maybe we thought they would be in domestic terms this season um but but that's how I see it with Rangers
5: short with that one and here is Gary McKay
2: Stephen Stunning goal, stunning finish from Gary Mackay Stephen.
0: It was blowing a gale at Pittaudry on Friday night, but it was Aberdeen who saw off Hibbs by one goal to nil. Four wins on the spin for the Dons, the wins of change for Derek McInnes's men. Gary Mackay Stephen drilling in the winner. Derek, are you a fan of Wee GMS?
4: Oh, I, I always have been, um, you know, before he joined Aberdeen, when, when I was commentating on him uh, in his Dundee United days, uh, I, I used to really think that uh, that he was a player who could go to a higher level. Didn't quite happen for him at Celtic, of course, but I think he's found the right club in Aberdeen and no surprise that he should be the player to score the winning goal. And what was, from what I saw of it, I only saw sort of brief snippets of it, but it, it looked to be a bit of a scrappy game. I've spoken to one or yeah. two people who yeah. were at the game as well. Horrible. And um, <laughs> and of course, it, it wouldn't be Bataudry, would it? it if, if the gale weren't blowing exactly. in uh, I mean I mean that's part, part of the charm of it we're going to miss <laughs> yeah. that when, uh, when the new stadium opens up but um, yeah form I think is with Aberdeen at the moment and um, I'm wondering if they can do it in the final and, and I know that Don's fans have sort of got their hopes built up in the past going into final meetings with Celtic and they've been let down. And, and you know, I, I can certainly say I was let down going to the, the Hamden final, the Scottish Cup final, just before I left the UK uh, to come back here to, to the US. Because I did think Aberdeen had a chance in that game. And, of course, things were looking up early on. And then it, uh, it went the wrong way. Celtic did deserve it in the end, no doubt about that. But, uh, but I think it, it's encouraging for Derek McInnes what's happening right now. You know, you, you look at the statistics of, of, the, of the matter and, they are quite tight defensively. They maybe just don't have quite enough creativity, and as a result, you're seeing games like this one, um, where it's one nil. But I think Aberdeen fans will take that to the bank at the moment. And um, after a bit of a, a sort of a stuttering start, much of, it, of that again having to do with Europe, I think settling into a rhythm now.
0: Laura's not n- not giving you a chance, uh, Derek, in the final. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, not, in the Laura? last in the last in the last podcast, she was like.
4: Oh, another Aberdeen-Celtic final. <laughs> yeah. well, she, she, in and fairness, Law, you might be right. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of talking as a as a fad here. Obviously, I'm old enough to remember working in the 80s. And I remember Aberdeen had a little series against Rangers like that. And people kept doubting them in finals against Rangers back when Alex Smith was the manager. And then I think at the third time of asking, they did it. So... You
2: know, maybe, you never maybe. No, doing the third time of asking, though, Derek. I'm just, I'm not beating <laughs> about the bush yet. I just, I don't think Aberdeen are good enough to beat Celtic in the final. But I will go back and give you some credit for your your GMS love because I could easily turn this podcast into some sort of love in on GMS with you because huge fan as well. And I think it's great to see them doing well this season. It's the sort of creative player that you want just lighten up the league. Scoring your winning goals, clinching you the points. And I think he's, as you're saying, he's found his level at Aberdeen right now. I don't think it's enough to win Aberdeen the Cup when he comes yep. up against Celtic, but I do really enjoy seeing him on form, and it's something that in the past he's maybe dipped up and down and and out a wee bit. And to see him with a wee bit more consistency now is great for everyone. You, you can just see the headlines <laughs> now. The <laughs> the
0: you can you can you can see the headlines now. Ex Celtic player scoring the winner <laughs> for Aberdeen in the final. Another player who's been you know grabbing the headlines, Lewis Ferguson is someone we're getting excited about. What do you make of have you seen much about him? There's obviously the family connection to the the Rangers Fergusons.
4: Yeah. I mean, what I've seen, I've liked. Um, and yeah, obviously there is that family connection, but I I mean, my eyes always light up when a young Scottish player is getting his chance with any Scottish club, doesn't have to be Aberdeen, could be any club at all and and is delivering and is prospering. And, you know, that's what I keep seeing from Aberdeen this season. And, you know, I think to be fair that, that they've been one of the better clubs in recent years, as far as giving young Scottish players, the chance is concerned. And, you know, Just to sort of maybe connect that with the point about GMS that Laura was making there. There's something healthy to me about players like that not playing for Celtic and perhaps for Rangers as well. And people listening will, who are Celtic and Rangers fans will be thinking, what is he going on about there? What I'm going on about is it used to really annoy me for years covering Scottish football, the number of players who we knew were, were good and had something to offer, yes. but would be consistently stuck on the bench oh, or God, um, maybe not so even much. on the bench, it, you know, it, in, in it, many it, cases. So here. I think that we should all applaud it when a player does actually... And you know, Laurel used the, the the term there, find his level. You know, Guy Mackay Stephen has found his level. He wasn't quite good enough to be a Celtic regular week in, week out. He could come on and maybe be an impact player, but he is good enough to be that sort of player at Aberdeen. And and if we had all these Scottish players playing at their level for clubs who you know are not Celtic or perhaps Rangers then I think we'll, we'd have a better league and we're seeing signs of that this season I think and, and it's you know a big reason why there is a lot more in the way of healthy competition.
1: What have you made of Hibs as well because Aberdeen seems to be coming into form even though I don't think they're playing particularly well uh, Hibs are sort of playing okay but just not scoring I don't know what, what do you make of Hibs so yeah. far? Again what Neil
4: Lennon has done is pretty remarkable I think because um that's another one I didn't really see coming necessarily when when I left Scotland um, you know but but he's got Hibs up there you know probably where they, they feel they ought to be in terms of the size of the club and uh, you know it, it, they're making a fist of it and Aberdeen against Hibs is a game now when it's on television yeah. on a Friday night as it was this past weekend it's a game that makes you sit up and take notice mm-hmm. and uh, a few years ago it wouldn't have been and of course Hibs were in the wrong division for a while as well you know so I think that um, is a tribute to what Neil and has done, and I'm sure it will turn around for him, and we'll, we'll see in the weeks ahead.
0: Willie Collin was supposed to be referee in this game, Derek, um, but after his Champions League game, he withdrew with a groin strain. So, this is all after Rangers lodged an official complaint against him after Daniel Candace got his red card against St Mirren. I don't know if you've seen this story, um, but do you think it's a little bit of coincidence that, you know, he's got out of this game, so there's no headlines on him?
4: Well, I, I can only, and you know, I'm, I'm being truthful here. I, I I got to know Willie Collum quite well. Uh, you know, one of the advantages of commentating on these games was that we we used to get to know the officials extremely well and have a chat before every game. And, and Willie Collum is an honest guy, so I, I don't really think that there'd be any sort of jiggery pokery going on as far as that's concerned. I will say too that I I, I still believe that in Scotland we go way over the top in criticising officials, way way over the top. Now it happens in every country to an extent but i think we're almost sort of borderline obsessed with it in scotland you know we're always looking for mm. you know why did this happen and why did that happen and why could he not see this and
1: but there's not a reason know, for that <laughs>
4: Well, like- n- no, I don't. I actually don't think so. I, I think referees are not going to get things 100% right. right. Players don't get things 100% right. Far from it. Managers don't get things 100% right. But we seem to think whenever the referee gets one thing wrong, oh my goodness, we've got to condemn him and, and never give him a game again. And, and our officials are, of course, the worst in the world. And, and as always, the truth is somewhere in the middle.
0: You say you've you've spoken to Willie Collum and other referees in the past. What's their kind of take on it? Would they not like to come out and actually speak about their decisions perhaps in a post-match interview?
4: Well, I, I think that there are some who might and some who might not. I think it depends on the individual and their level of comfort with doing that sort of thing. I mean, what I can say is I work in Germany as well still. I still go to Germany about every uh, couple of months, once every couple of months to do games for the Bundesliga. And there, you know, the option is in place for referees to, to explain a decision And that is done by some who feel it's necessary. Uh, It's not taken up by others uh, who don't want to go down that road. Um, I I do think that, um, and this is going to be a slight problem for Scottish football, because VAR is coming in, well, it's already in in, in most of the the top leagues in Europe, and it's going to be in place at the Premier League and the Champions League for sure at the start of next season. So um, a league like the Scottish Premiership is then at a big disadvantage because it's going to look incomplete without... VAR. I know there are those who say, well, VAR just adds a whole host of problems, another layer of difficulty for referees. But I think once you, you know, we've seen this in Germany, once it's settled down, you know, once you take away the fear of getting something wrong by a referee, because he's not a mug anymore because he got it wrong, because there's a system in place that can quickly correct it. Once you take that fear away, then I think the, the overall refereeing is better and the players get used to it as well. And, um, still, trying to get my head around how we do this in Scotland given that we don't have the kind of the camera coverage at every single game that would be required for VAR.
0: It's taken a dozen games but the champions are back on top of the Scottish Premiership. Celtic crept into top spot on goal difference after drawing 0-0 with Livingston at Almondville. Rangers and Celtic have both been to Livingston this season and failed to score. It's a really tough place for any team to go JJ
1: seems to be yeah Livy are they're back now to pushing the, the top end of the table we thought they were gone but no I've not seen has anyone blame the pitch yet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god
1: I've seen it in some reports I mean I don't think the pitch has any bearing on Livingston goalkeeper it's Liam Kelly isn't it? yeah Yeah. Uh, it, doesn't, it has no bearing on him being like a, a cat with
0: I was just thinking that
1: octal cat <laughs> <laughs> like how is he cause, sounds like that, a terrible spider-man villain <laughs> Yeah, you got bitten by an octopus and then <laughs> ate a cat. There's like a save from, I think it was Ryan Christie early on, where he saves yeah. in his bottom post, it's yeah. like a magic save. The only difference I think, I mean, we've all played on 4G pitches and and grass, right? I played on grass in that game, I got pumped 9-0. <laughs> <laughs> Did nothing to help us. Playing on 4G, you be able to pass, you can trust your touch, you can uh, play it. I don't understand why some footballers moan about it so much. It's hard on the knees or something? Like,
2: they find it harder to turn, like the the studs or whatever the moulds mm. are on their boots get caught easier mm-hmm. on artificial and that's why they want to try and bring in more of this half and half pitch because it's going to make the grass softer for them mm-hmm. and cause less injuries. But I think the issue with Livy's pitch more throughout the course of the season, I've not seen it yet myself in real life, but it's the pellets. You have and to swim through them, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's the number of pellets and it's a fact, you can see it just by looking at it. The yeah. pitch is half black
1: it is funny yeah
2: and I know they did remove a lot after the first couple of games of the season but because they weren't spread properly at that stage but they're still in excess
1: (laughs) do you know what and as we know from those little balls and 4G pitches even a small amount takes forever to disappear you'll find them in your house for Mm. years after so if you're playing in Livy's actual swimming pool of balls you're going to have it stuck on you forever
0: Listen, Livingston have been a sensation this season. And you're right, Liam Kelly, seven clean sheets this season. Shouldn't he, been, shouldn't he be in the Scotland squad? I, I think I, I don't see why not. I mean, he's got other competition from, say, Xander Clark, mm. um St. Johnston, who's been phenomenal as well for them recently. But just the fact of how compact and difficult Livingston are to break down, very much like Kilmarnock. They do all the simple things mm-hmm. correctly. It's a different um,
1: shape, though. That's the only thing they do it in a totally different way. But yeah, I agree. Celtic were. Pummeled and set pieces. They really struggled. <laughs> what do you think of that Dolly Mang'a bit when he put his head into uh, Mister Christie's face?
2: Yeah, you can't be doing that. Intent is definitely there. Do you send a player off for intent? Do you do it because it's in the box? Do you do it because it is violent conduct, or do you wait until he's actually done it? I'm not sure too much on that debate there, but you can't have players doing that. So he does deserve some form punishment for it. What
1: do you, <laughs> you think is worse, though? What do you think is worse? Putting your face into Ryan Christie's face or kicking Scott McKenna off the ball. Because one of those has been told is definitely a red card, but didn't get one. And the other was a rescinded red card because it wasn't a red card. Well, How is that not violent? And then what Dolly Menga did... Is, well, I think I think,
0: I think think the other thing as well is that Ryan Christie didn't react no. to it at all. Which is a credit to him. But, you shouldn't but if to. he shouldn't have No, well, no I, I totally get it. But any player shouldn't feel like they have to put their head into another player's head, unless you're challenging for the ball in the air. Or they love and, them. And, and therefore, for me, it's got to be a red card and it's got to be some retrospective action because you cannot allow that to be okay in the game. Just more on Celtic, um, a huge win over... Leipzig in the Europa League on Thursday Edwards getting the winner after 14 seconds from Leipzig's equaliser I mean that's that is huge for Celtic I've heard Celtic
1: Celtic fans say it was their best performance they've seen since uh, a couple of my pals said it was best since the Barcelona win which I think is a little bit over the top but they they did look really good it's different opposition
0: obviously but I think Celtic fans probably needed to see something like that I've got a lot of Celtic fans who um, were saying such a thing so it keeps them in it
2: yeah I think also the fact that they were Lapping up the the light show as well. A lot of people were just saying this oh, was like the greatest night yeah. in Celtic Park for a long, long time. And it's you can maybe like kind of look a wee bit sceptical towards it and go, well, it's just the Europa League. It's not the Champions League. But it's nice that the fact that they're getting so on board and you, you got that atmosphere back again for the big European nights at Celtic because they they are without doubt the best times in Celtic Park.
1: Tell you what, I watched. Um, I was live blogging uh, Europa League games when these Rangers and Celtic games were on. And uh, the the two games I watched were Chelsea and Arsenal. They were awful to watch. No one in the crowd cared. No one cared. The players didn't care. No one cared But the Rangers and Celtic games It was really like Properly ace to watch mm. Two teams going at each other Both really desperately Wanted to win You could feel it You could hear it in the crowds
2: I was gutting. I'm was all for it I, I, That's I was, what you want I finished, yeah. those ones I, out I, I finished work at 6 o'clock On Thursday And listened to the first half Of the Rangers game On the bus home And missed five goals <laughs> <laughs> I'm so gutted But that's what you want You want that excitement I'm sitting there going What's going on Like I cannot wait to get in And watch this on TV
0: I'm certainly enjoying The new Europa League music That's for sure It's I, cool
1: I think they need a new theme tune it is new It's brand well, new well, a this a good year. one <laughs> I, I think it is good oh, well Then maybe I haven't heard it properly then yeah. Is it the one they play where they're standing up Just getting the camera shot on them
2: It's not as good as Aye. the Champions League one Nothing's ever going to be as good as the Champions well, League no, but-
1: Oh well that's <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's go around the grounds now Neil White has the headlines from the Championship
3: League One and Two Thanks, guys. Hello, everybody. Things tightened up at the top of the championship as the top two dropped points. The big winners were the United who ground out a 1 0 win at second place, Ross County. Worth remembering that County's 5 1 demolition of United at Tannadice precipitated the sacking of Chabalaslo as manager. This win up at Dingwall has to have United feeling like they got the right guy in Robbie Nielsen. They were under pressure for big spells either side of Paul Watson's goal but closed it out showing the kind of organisation and determination that promotion pushes are made of. So, United are one point behind County now, and leaders Ayr United are a further four in front after they drew 1-1, at home to Queen of the South. In a game which pitted the division's two deadliest strikers against each other, neither Lawrence Shankland nor Stephen Dobie scored, nor did Dumfermland's Andy Ryan, and that's a name worth googling today, to recap on perhaps the miss of the season. It came within the first minute of Dunfermline's derby with Falkert, and it has to be seen to be believed.
5: Callum Higginbotham, he's
4: 20 yards out, has a strike. Oh, say, it. But, but then, oh, my goodness How gracious.
1: Dead he miss. That has to be Peter Van Boston territory. He says that is one of the worst misses I have seen in years.
3: Ryan's was only the most spectacular, however, of many many missed chances before Zach Rudden battered in a 25 yarder to snatch Falkirk's second win of the season they're still bottom two behind Partick who have now lost four out of four since Gary Caldwell took over this time they ended Inverness Cali Thistle's seven game run of draws John Robertson's team took a 1-0 win back to Inverness their unbeaten run goes to 24 games and they regain fourth because Alloa won 2-0 at Morton, and the league's only part-time team are now above the relegation playoff place. Okay, League One, our growth are 10 points, clear people, unbeaten, 10 wins from 13 games, no team in Scotland has as many points. And in 64-year-old Dick Campbell, they also have our oldest manager. 2-0 against Montrose this time, and the Red Lefties show no sign of stopping. Their lead stretched by three because East Fife beat neighbours Wraith Rovers for the first time since Thatcher was Prime Minister. And that's not even the best thing about their 2-1 win. Behind with 14 minutes to go, they won it in injury time, at which point their keeper, Brett Long, was red-carded for over-enthusiastic celebrations in front of the visiting Wraith fans. But we say when you win the derby for the first time in 30 years, there is no over-enthusiastic League Two. And it turns out Edinburgh City were only loaning top spot to Peterhead. Peterhead lost to Queen's Park 2-0 at Hampden. So, Edinburgh City are back to where they've been spending pretty much all season after a 2-1 win at Albion Rovers. Blair Henderson with a double that takes him to 17 for the season either side of a 45-yard chip from Harad Hernando Escuriola, the kind of goal that in a more just world would have been worth two. And that's your report for this week.
0: As you just heard, Edinburgh City are back on top of League Two, and James McDonough, Edinburgh City manager, joins us now. A 2-1 win at Albion Rovers on Saturday, Albion are bottom of the league, but they made you work for it, didn't they, James?
5: Yeah it was a very difficult game, we expected that, we knew they were at the bottom of the league and they're fighting for every point point. Um, and a new manager sitting in the stands mm-hmm. looking to see what, what he's inherited and yeah it was a very tough game.
1: You're up there in the title race just now in League Two, was that, was that your expectation at the start of the season? Was that your aim and is that you're definitely pushing for it now right?
5: No our aim was just really to make improvement on last season so um, obviously, we we're on ninth last season, and we finished with thirty points. So, twelve games in, we've matched that total. So, we're almost made improvement already um, over the course of the season. Definitely, over twelve games, we're way ahead of where we were last year, top of the league. So, some may say you need to sort of readdress your ambitions, but it's, it's not so much like that. We're just happy to be enjoying the success we've got just now, and if, listen, if we're still in contention come the business end of the season, then we'll we'll need to look at things differently.
1: What's been the change? Is it different players you've brought in, a different style of play? What do you think the secret is?
5: Yeah, everybody's actually wants to know what's going on at Edinburgh City. i have (laughs) just back from uh, UEFA headquarters last week, I'm doing my pro licence and Mm -hmm. most of the guys there were asking the same sort of question and a lot of them are at top clubs and want to know what's changed. And basically everything's changed from different players to how we train, the intensity we train, um, from the the setup that I inherited I've probably changed as much as I can from every little detail to the, the heaviest things um, in terms of recruitment and, and style of play so basically in the last 12 months anything you could imagine and maybe couldn't imagine has changed at the club
1: And to keep it going you'll need uh, Blair Henderson to keep rattling in the goals the top scorer in League 2 uh, what kind of a player is he? What's he done for you?
5: Yeah but I mean Without talking about return, I'll probably get the best out of him. Um, He's always done well at this level, but I don't think he's ever had the return that he's given us just now at this stage. I mean, 17 goals, I think it's 11 in the league. You know, he's a big lad, Blair. He's six feet four. He's a target man, not just somebody that wants the ball played into his head. So to try and work the ball into him so he can score goals that way. He's just been a threat. We just need to try and keep pushing him and, and... Keep them fit and, and get the ball to them, and make sure we can create chances for them to score.
0: You host Alloa Athletic in the quarter-finals of the Iron Brew Cup on Saturday. Alloa, obviously, two divisions above Edinburgh in the championship, is this quite a good test for your team at the moment?
5: It's probably a, a really difficult test. We've already, I mean, at the start of the season, we played the League Cup and we played Queen of the South, and obviously Stephen Doby is <laughs> is way, way ahead of most people's level, so we found that difficult. And I think Alloa. The league table might show that they're not as good as Queen of the South. will be a very, very difficult opponent. I was watching a lot of their game today. They played Morton on Saturday and won. And are very well organized they We've got some really good players. Listen, we're just happy to be through to the, the next round. We're in the quarterfinal of the Iron Brew Cup. I believe before I came in, we never progressed in any cup competition. So we've done well. We've finished third in the League Cup section quarterfinals finals just a massive bonus for the players to go enjoy like a, a free hit really at the game. You're not expected to get anything out of it so there's no pressure on them. And obviously we're progressing in the Scottish Cup as well so everything's going in the right direction.
3: You're listening to the Totally Scottish football
0: show with Andrew Slaven. Elsewhere in the premiership it's now five wins in a row for sensational St Johnston. They're just three points off the top of the table after hammering Hamilton 4-0 at McDermott Park. Tommy Wright definitely doesn't want this international break right now.
1: They're going to win the league. <laughs> yeah, why can't they finish first, Laura? Yeah, Laura holding them back. You're killing Scottish football.
2: <laughs> five consecutive ones, five clean sheets. Where does that come from? <laughs> Tommy Wright for the Scotland job. <laughs> It's a top-flight record for them, I think this is great. Bring it on, all these teams doing well, and we'll just have one of these, almost like a championship-esque season, where everyone's so tight and at the top of the Premiership. The more the merrier.
1: Have you seen the stats for this, right? So Johnston's 19 shots on goal, Hamilton 4, <laughs> Hamilton oh, 4. And the worst thing that really annoys me, and I know Hamilton fans are starting to get a bit annoyed with Martin Canning, he comes out every time, he's like, I will second every ball, <laughs> need the <altitude>. Orchard. <laughs> Uh, It's not good enough like, You need the attitude first It's always f- attitude It's so basic
0: Oh well, yeah they, I mean they were second best
1: Who can be arsed Like every time Having to go into a battle Like every time It's always the same They just ping it down the line Chase the ball into channels Try and make themselves hard to beat They don't have the best players No they so, don't So and Canning does well To get something out of them And he's done well in the past you can't just say to your players, oh, you need, to, you need to work harder and battle harder. I don't think that makes a difference ever. What
0: is the plan? What is going on? I, I've said all season, I don't know what Hamilton are about. Dougie Emery's been the only player I've really kind of understood. uh. Um,
1: Miller, he's been all right.
0: Yeah, but again, it's just not good enough. And Ziggy Gordon was massively at fault for, for St. Johnson's second goal, I think. It's just not good enough. I think with Celtic just around the corner, Martin Cannon's got a massive job and his hand to try and turn this around, especially if you've got the likes of Dundee or St Mirren. If they get a run, Hamilton are in real trouble.
1: I think he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> just now. But this is the thing it can't be fun going to watch them. I don't know. I don't actually know any Hamilton fans.
2: I've had this exact conversation actually before. I have never met a Hamilton I think he's yeah. fan. And you, you just because you're always
1: stu- Motherwell That's why,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just across the road. But the thing is, like I lived in Glasgow for a year, and I didn't meet any Hamilton. I know that's not Glasgow, but you know, what I mean, I've not met a single Hamilton fan. No,
2: I remember speaking to Danny Cunningham, the um, kit man at Aki's, and he was saying before, even if they were top of the league and on the verge of winning it, they would still only get less than two thousand at their games. Because he just knows there's a set amount and it doesn't really go up or down. It's just these are the loyal fans and that's that.
1: But fair dues for not supporting one of the big two
4: if you're from absolutely.
2: near that area, yeah, right? Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. sort of yeah. Um, run Good. season in, season out.
1: Jim Johnson absolutely pumped them. So I think we should move on to the, the other, another game. Dundee won, St Mirren won. Did you see this? It was a barnstormer. I watched this game. It wasn't.
2: Oh, <laughs> lordy. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you choose to watch this game?
1: 4-4-2. <laughs> 442. That's what you got. You love 442. I hate it. <laughs> it's uh, they could play this game a million times in a row and it'd be a different score every time. It's completely random.
2: And neither team win in every single occasion. Uh, no,
1: I mean this was the. <laughs> Come on, J. It reminds me of you playing Sunday league, this. right? This is, uh, watching that game, that is the the it's so it's so poor. I don't think that should be in the elite level uh, leagues. It's just not. All you're doing is pinging the ball in the channel every time. It's so fast. Like, the tempo is so fast. I think if you took a player from the Liga, like a top five player, and put him into that game, I'm not saying all of the SPFL at like this, I'm saying this game. You dropped, like, Santi Gazorla into that, he wouldn't know what is going on. He'd be dizzy, he'd, like, fall his, over. His
0: career would be over <laughs> after, after that.
1: But it, it, it's so quick, and it's so all about um, physical. Mm. It's all about the physical. Like, you could drop a player like Meza Ozil into that game, and he'd be wasted. You could do anything with him, and they'd be like, oh, he doesn't do anything, because he's not chasing the ball and, and going up the other end and chasing it. And. and, and I mean, Dundee scored, so that's good. <laughs> that was good, though. Like, and, yeah, they and had, it had scored yeah. in, like, five, how long?
2: Five games. McIntyre's been in yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, first goal in, since he came in.
1: And Kenny Miller's got his first goal for Dundee as well, which is good. Do you think there was a penalty? Yes.
0: Yes, Laura, I do. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I don't see why it isn't. Come on, Laura.
2: Well, just- <laughs> I don't want to come out with the the classic soft, but well, the, the the files much, yeah, <laughs> <there laughs> much <laughs> contact. I think
0: I think but when I you do. I think when you see the the high behind angle is the best angle for it because you can see how much Cammy Kerr comes into Simeon Jackson. And it's more than enough for Jackson to to go down. Yeah, because he's that, because that is
2: the one angle that made me go right. Okay.
0: Well, well, yeah, because the other is definitely not because it's a penalty. I think you can tell uh, he's laying up a shot, and like the he's referee not dive there. The referee is is in actually a good position to see it as well. He's right in the middle of the park, so he can he can see it from the same angle the high behind angle can see it, mm. and he sees the contact and it's a penalty.
2: And a wee bit sceptical just because Jackson was booked later on for diving. And uh, but was again, a That's a
1: weird one because he's, it- he thought about it because he, he runs into the box, the tackle comes in, he sort of jumps over it and begins to throw himself to the ground, lands on his knees, then gets up straight away and goes. So he is diving, but he gets up straight away. like it's.
2: But it just shows it's in his mentality to do something like that. But he wants to win. There's think- no excuse like- to dive.
1: I think
0: it's one of these funny things where if he had gone down and looked at the referee... And said, Give me a penalty. Yeah. The referee is then within his right to give, to book him. Yeah. To book him.
2: And also, so you he know, doesn't, it, he doesn't I just feel like that's a bit like boy who cries wolf. No, but, but, you, but
1: you know the tackle's coming. So, like, when, when you're in that situation and the, the foot's coming out, you know it's coming. So, if it clips you, you have a chance to win a penalty, which would win the game. I
0: hadn't, I hadn't finished my point. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what I can say is that with the way he's reacted over that challenge, He's forcing the referee into making a decision, and that's unfair on the referee, so the referee, I think, is totally within his right to to give him a yellow card, regardless regardless of of whether it was a foul or not.
1: Well, at least we know that that one was definitely a penalty, even though Jim McIntyre says it was never he says it's never a penalty i don't I don't yeah. understand this uh, this thinking, should we just get these guys to have? Play off now to uh, do you know? what I would like I would
0: like to have like the UFC set up when what would they have to no 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 no, 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 not that but like the post match press conferences so you get all the managers in one room and they all get to talk about the incidents at the same time and they can all just discuss it together.
1: I wonder who'd win in a like a mass brawl like a Royal Rumble and all the SPFL managers.
2: Craig Levine.
1: I think Jim McIntyre would have a pretty good. I think he would deck a few.
2: But Levine's pan and now great sense of humour that he's brought to Scottish football would just absolutely put everyone down and kill it stone dead. It, you'd have Neil Lennon there losing the plot and then he would just swoop right in with something. Well, Neil Lennon would God get coming.
1: coined and the floor uh, from a fan. <laughs> and then you'd have Levine, I think, would hide in the sidelines. Oh no, yeah. Then know, he yeah. Would come in with the killer. In, in the shadows. Yeah. I feel like I have to rein you guys Martin in, Canning. in a little bit. Martin Canning could definitely beat up a load of managers in that league. Right. Stephen Robinson too.
0: Dundee, St Mirren, and I'm going to throw Hamilton in this. Are they going to get out of that bottom three... Are they going to be mixing it for basically looking for a playoff place?
1: I don't. I don't see enough in St Mirren or Dundee. Like we said, Dundee played nicer football under McCann, but they weren't winning, and now they have a bit of grit about them. But uh, I think yeah, they're probably stuck there. With Hamilton. If you're playing in this kind of team that's knocking in the channel, chasing it, trying to win second balls, all you need is the machines who run and run and run and aren't scared Of going and putting their head into a tackle. And, well, into a header. You don't put your head into a tackle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday after Scotland's trip to Albania.
3: You've been listening to The Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, The Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and, of course, The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. <laughs>